this is Lancaster. Global research tales from the north of England. Looking back on my career, the move into a university has enabled me to to make more measurable change than I would have done, I think, had I stayed in social work practice. I think I've been also incredibly privileged to work with all my colleagues in the centre, but also practice pioneers and policy colleagues and, and families with lived experience to actually make measurable change. We have seen women recover their, their esteem, their lives, their mental health, their energy, retain children in their care. That gives me an incredible sense of achievement and and makes me think that all the work that we do in the centre is finally worthwhile. Hello, so I'm Professor Karen Broadhurst and I'm based in the Sociology Department at Lancaster University. I also lead a research uh, centre which is co-hosted by the Departments of Sociology and Law. Um, It's a thriving research centre that's home to academics, all, all levels, lecturers, professors, students, doctoral students, postdoc researchers and also overseas visitors. I originally was a social worker myself and uh, it was a very rewarding and fruitful experience but I I think I moved into academia because I was really keen on trying to change the world. That's a really grand aspiration Um, but I felt there were certain things I was frustrated with. Um, In particular I've had a long standing interest and commitment to improving the lives of women in the justice system and trying to encourage our justice organisations to think about more gender responsive approaches to women and think about the vulnerability that women face, the disadvantage and how that how that draws them into both um, the family courts and the criminal justice system. As a social worker I worked really with families at the, at the char- sharp end of services so um, child protection involvement in the lives of parents um, so I've seen witness firsthand really the difficulties that women had in in trying to get out of relationships that weren't good for them, secure adequate housing, um, feed their children, difficulties in communities that were disadvantaged, maybe there's neighbourhood crime. So, so I witnessed firsthand all of these obstacles and I was concerned really that the state was potentially heaping on more stress rather than significantly investing in preventing family breakdown and um, you know helping women to sort of overcome their disadvantage that was my my main concern was how can we design systems that help help families that are struggling to really realize their potential rather than as sometimes is the case to create circumstances that that create further adversity and stress on lives when I think back on my career I think that in some ways, although lives were hard for families when I was a practicing social worker now, you know, look, looking back at um, back to the, the 90s, that things are actually more difficult for families now. We're, we're seeing greater division between between and within regions. We're seeing more entrenched inequality. There's a, re- there's a real need for the kind of work and research that we do to help inform regional, national, local government, international governments to, to understand how can we um, use our our investment in state services for to transform lives rather than further entrench inequality. When I was in practice, there were many great things about the local authorities and the voluntary sector organisations that I worked with. However, there were certain things that really frustrated me and, and some of that has driven my research agenda. I was particularly concerned about the position of, of parents who'd really been at the, the sharp edge of child protection and they'd experience the removal of their children. I felt that the system had some difficulty in seeing those 
parents with fresh eyes, that their histories were sort of set against them. And, and that, that has actually driven some of my research in the centre. So my ex- I think the real value of having that frontline practice experience and then moving into academia is that my work is really grounded in the lived reality of people's lives. That experience has made me absolutely action-focused. So all of my research, I'm really interested in theoretical work, I'm really interested in novel ways of using data, data science. I'm really interested in all kinds of research methodologies, but ultimately my my final goal is always to use research to make measurable changes to individual lives. So I was really lucky, I think, when I first moved into academia that I moved, uh, that I was able to work with some senior colleagues who really offered me a lot of advice and opportunity. And in particular, I worked on an ESRC project that um, had tremendous impact. That working with with my colleague um, Professor Sue White was one of those was those mentors. Really helped me to to actually understand that. Academia can be a platform for measurable change. You can use your position, your knowledge, your connections in academia to actually make changes to the law and to policy. In academia, there's often a a bit of a tension between teacher and research, but my experience is that by being very research active, it keeps you really close to the field. It keeps you close to policy, legislative developments, theoretical developments, And so it makes it easier to be a really good and inspirational teacher. And also because quite a lot of my, um, the work that's done in the centre, not just by me, but my many excellent colleagues in the centre, involve close involvement of people with lived experience. This really helps to bring teaching to life. So, yeah, I think it's fair to say in academia there there is a tension between teaching and research, but I... I would say that they feed off each other. And one of the, the, the great things about being in a research intensive university is that what we teach is really shaped by our own thinking, by our own work, and that we're really, we're really up to date. We're really at the forefront of developments nationally and internationally. So my research, as, as I was saying, is really prompted by my personal experience of working in public services. And really wanting to see those services achieve their potential for transformation in the lives of families. We've been really lucky in the centre to have had strong backing from a number of funders. We've been successful in a number of uh, competitive funding streams, particularly the Nuffield Foundation, now working with the Nuffield Family Justice Observatory, but also a number of government departments, Department for Education, NHS England, Public Health, all We've been really lucky to have been able to secure continuous funding for a number of years now that have enabled us to build niche expertise and capacity in the centre. And and the work of the centre is really about the experience of families with informal justice systems. So that's what I mean by that is who gets involved with the family in the criminal courts and why uh, and, and what's their experience. We are also really concerned with broader questions of social justice in particular questions of inequality, poverty, food insecurity, housing. And in fact, we start from a position that's quite difficult to separate out questions about the operation of our justice systems, our courts, from those broader questions of social justice, distribution of wealth, income, family security. All of these things are, if you like, joined up in in the lived experience of families. And so we can't we can't really ask questions about 
the effectiveness of family justice systems without asking those broader questions about what are states doing to support the basic infrastructure of family life. And in my experience, some of the frustrations for frontline social workers who are often, you know, incredibly motivated and compassionate people is that they can't find adequate housing for families and they might try and teach families to budget. But if families are facing cost of living crisis, it's incredibly difficult to spread that budget so thin. We have been really lucky to have a lot of strong collaborative relationships with partner agencies locally, nationally and internationally. And those relationships with key stakeholder organisations, whether that's children's services, whether it's voluntary sector, preventative services, whether they're in England, Wales, Scotland, the UK um, or overseas, those relationships have been absolutely critical for our centre, both in shaping our research questions, but also in enabling us to have ready pathways to impact. Relationships with stakeholders can be can be quite tricky to manage because obviously research is always change-orientated and can, can throw up surprising results. But I guess what we have is try to work with stakeholders with a, a real respect for their expertise, recognition of their expertise, and that we have different knowledge, different types of knowledge and expertise, but certainly we wouldn't want to set those different kinds of knowledge in opposition or to think that somehow the, the academy is better than. That's absolutely not the case. I think that all of our partner agencies bring tremendous expertise and insights. We often um, co-produce knowledge, we, we do design projects with our partners and we'll always have an advisory board that involves families, it involves partner agencies, policy people from government to ensure that work really is, you know, that the funding that we're given, that we're privileged to receive is invested wisely and delivers for the public good. So going back to one of my real pa- well that my central passion really is about uh, women in the in the justice systems broadly so that's family justice civil and, and crime I'm really interested in what a gender responsive family justice system would look like I'm particularly interested in how justice systems inter- intersex and what's their combined impact on the lives of women my, my focus on women is really because often women are lone parents and um, they're they're often bearing the brunt of both the responsibility for families but also accounting for that responsibility within public services. So, for example, in child protection, um, women may themselves have been victims of domestic abuse but then are asked to account for that uh, uh, and questioned about why they're not sufficiently protecting children. So I'm really interested in how we can push our justice systems to to recognise, really, some of the shortfalls in policy in particular um, towards disadvantaged women that are, that are hindering um, women realising their potential in their everyday lives. So one of the projects that we've completed over a number of years now and has led to really sustained impact is in trying to help um, children's services and the family courts think differently about the needs of women who have had children removed from their care. So unfortunately the family courts do take decisions, have to take decisions to safeguard and remove children when they're at risk. Our argument really, we've been really trying to challenge services to think differently about 
to narrow a focus only on the needs of children and have argued that that's really short-sighted, particularly because often we're removing um, children from and babies from very young women who will go on to have more children. And by, by just removing a baby and placing it with an alternative caregiver and not addressing women's own rehabilitation means that we're failing really to engage with a far broader and important recovery agenda for families and communities. Our research produced the, the, the first estimate in the world actually of women's repeat involvement in the family justice system and um, repeat, repeat intervention to remove children from their care. It's really contentious work really difficult but very well received by government in in the UK um, in particular for example in England major investment in preventative services and in Wales again major investment in preventative services and rollout in Wales but also this work reached Australia where our methodologies for using large-scale data sets was was taken up and also um, we've seen the same proliferation of preventative services that are now starting to say we need to think holistically about families. When we, when we take a child out of a family, out of a community, what kind of scar does that leaves, leave? There, there obviously is a need to safeguard children and protect them, but how can we do that in ways that, that's not a kind of um, a, a sort of removal that leaves, leaves nothing behind to, to assist in repair and recovery? I mean, ultimately, what we want to do is to prevent the removal of children and family breakdown. But accepting the inevitability that some children have to be safeguarded from harm, even on a temporary basis, it's really important to think about the impact of services at the broader family and community level. How does this impact on grandparents? How does this impact on community? We, we are absolutely delighted about the influence of our work because obviously that, that is our our reason for doing it is is for the public good. So where our work has impact, where we can work collaboratively with agencies to make change, that that's absolutely delightful for us. And I think that that's energising. It helps us to to keep going and and do more. So at the moment, we're really interested in continuing to work in the in um, the justice space, but our our group is is broader than that. We we also have people working on food insecurity on um, issues around security and exposure to, to disasters. We also have people working in a very focused way on mental health. So there are many facets to the work that we do in the centre. I mean, when I look back on my career, I think I'm really pleased to have been able to, I think to be privileged to be in a position where I've been able to spend time on both teaching and research that's led to transformation. An incredibly incredibly privileged position I've been incredibly privileged to work with really inspirational families and to work with really amazing practice pioneers I mean without without that combination of expertise at my work the work of the centre and my colleagues in the centre wouldn't have been possible so at the level of individual lives we have certainly made measurable changes so working with um, prevention projects, we've seen re women recover their lives. We've seen them go on to parent children successfully. We've seen women regain their confidence, their mental health, their energy and esteem. And, and that's what more could we ask for, really. Thanks for listening to This is Lancaster, global research tales from the north of England. 
To listen to more, just search podcasts at Lancaster University. Lancaster University.